since 2008, Marvel Studios has brought us over 10 years of cinematic blockbusters, and nothing will ever be the same. Can we, as mere mortals, prevail? Join us to find out. Peter Melnick, graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And Eddie Wilson, upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. True believers, the next chapter begins with another episode of The Marvelists. Reed Richards, Ben Grimm, Sue Richards, Johnny Storm. Together they braved the unknown terrors of outer space and were changed into something more than human. Mr. Fantastic, The Thing, The Invisible Girl, The Human Torch. And now the world will never again be the same. Stan Lee presents The Fantastic Four. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get the usual rigmarole started of this mini-episode, where it's a it's kind of a downloadable content bonus package, if you will. It's Eddie's thoughts on Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. But before we get into that good stuff, how can people get a hold of us on social media? I'm glad you asked. First off, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash Marvelists. Give us a like ski on there. Give myself a follow and a like or whatever the hell. Facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster. You can also follow us on the Twitter machine at... The Marvelists. You can follow myself at Peter Melnick. Hashtag Jeremy Bagley says, no, no, you're not following P- Eddie Wilson on Twitter. Maybe Peter, but no, 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 not Eddie. Pass. Not Eddie, because Eddie's not on there. How can you follow what he's not on? 2K19. Anyway... Oof. You can also, I don't know why, I'm just, my hands are on the, the table right now. I'm just, I'm, I'm in like a uh, angry pose. I don't know. I'm not angry. I'm just happy. But you can also follow us on Instagram at The Marvelists. Myself at Peter Melnick and your fine self at Eddie9193. You can also find us in your email bag. Well, kind of. I mean, you're going to send us an email and then maybe we'll email you back. But anyway, The Marvelists at Gmail.com. Questions, comments, strongly worded letters. We'll take them. We'll read them. We'll print them out. We'll burn them if they say mean things. Paper the wall. But, yeah. Also, you can find us on a wide variety of streaming platforms. Go on iTunes. At iTunes, whatever. I guess you search it, I guess. I don't know. I guess. But five star if you're ever so inclined. And rate, review, and subscribe. You can also share the show. Let people know you're listening. And on iOS and Android devices... Those are really nice. You can be able to listen to us on SoundCloud, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, and... The Big one. Spotify. But while you're listening to us on those shows, you can also just be like, you know what, even though I'm using this Podbean thing, I'm going to get... I'm going to get myself... More. More. And by more, I mean more other shows. Grammatically, that didn't even make sense. No. But... When you have Stitcher Radio, go to stitcher.com slash premium and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. You will be able to get a free one month of Stitcher Premium, and then it is only $4.99, 499 pennies per month. a month. Yeah, it's it's a bargain. It's a real bargain. I don't know why I'm talking like that, but... Such a deal. Su- su- <laughs> it is. I, w- I want to do a little old Jewish lady voice, but I'm not going to because there's probably someone that'll be just like, no. No, no just not for that. Peter Milnick. No, no, don't you don't do that. Mm-mm-mm. Now, if I did a Harvey Feierstein voice, you know, 
I don't know why I'm doing that voice now, but here we are. It makes two of us. But for only four ninety nine a month, you get Stitcher Premium, and when you're on Stitcher Premium, you be you're able to get a crap ton of audio content, including trustworthy Kev Smith Smodcast archives. You get the Nerdist archives. You get the Earwolf archives. The WTF with Mark Marin archives. Oh yeah, and you get Wolverine: The Long Night. Mm-hmm. Huh? How about that? Yeah, it's the first ever serialized format created by Marvel for the podcasting format and you'll be able to listen to it. And maybe you can even listen to the episodes while you're flipping through Wolverine the Long Night, published monthly now as a five-issue, I believe, miniseries from Marvel Comics. So once again, stitcher.com slash premium and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. And you'll be able to get that stuff. And you help support the show. You're helping me and Eddie, you're helping us support the show, bringing us into bigger things letting people know about this show too because you gotta do that people you gotta <laughs> so let's get this show started well, after that not many opening <laughs> intro here comes there the mini mm-hmm. maybe the Ant-Man size mini shrunken Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer from 2007 which by the way we're gonna add little uh, things in that we didn't talk about during the episode of John Things that I didn't even realize. This movie's rated PG. Mm-hmm. This is one of the few superhero movies that is rated PG. And to be completely honest, I'm surprised. It, mm. dis- it's, it doesn't seem like a PG movie. I was going to say, not. we're sure it's PG, not PG-13. Yeah, there are, there are certain jokes in this movie, and you're just like, Yeah. Wait, this is, really? Yep. Let me check my watch. This is 2007 here, because this is when the movie came out. Well, the watch, you said, because uh, I saw that it was an hour and 32 minutes. And that's on the short side. Yeah. And Technically, without the credits, it's even less. Yeah, it so would be. So it's less than the average length of a comedy. It's closer okay. in line with a DC animated movie. Yeah. And I'm not trying to slight DC's animated movies. They have but what some it compares stuff. to, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, my first point uh, that comes across with this that I want to make mention of, other than the obvious opening the Marvel flip of the pages, and instead of it going red, it's blue for Fantastic Four, blue. So, uh, yeah, that's a running theme kind of setup, which is fine. We get to the part where we see Doom, and it makes me wonder... No, that was almost a Led Zeppelin reference, and it makes me wonder. Mine was a Del Shannon reference. I know, even older. How long was he encased? How long was he from Doom? Doom. There is only Doom. That's it. How long was he encased from the first movie? Hopefully, not long, because he must have been starving (laughs) to get out of there when the surfer came across the skies of Letveria. And then he awakens. Latveria, home of uh, the grandfather of Doom. ECW champion Rob Van Dam. Oh, yeah, for, yeah, that too. I guess I don't even know it's on if it's on file anywhere. But uh, still, just just a, a point to make. Okay, we get to what is this movie about? The wedding. Yes, of course you guessed it right. And of all the hoopla, we have uh, Johnny and his date arriving, and a reporter says. What's it like dating the Human Torch? To which the girl, I don't know if she's even named in the credits, fireproof lingerie and a lot of aloe. Hello. And I was actually, after I recorded the episode, I ended up listening to the uh, We Hate Movies episode where they talk about the movie. And I, I tend to do that. I'll 
after I watch a movie, I don't want to listen to or watch things that might influence my sense of humor, influence my criticisms towards things, and I'll do it afterwards. But that movie, they bring up the point of, this is a PG movie? And when they said PG, that actually made me grab the Blu-ray case, and I'm just like, wait a minute. Wait a cotton picking minute, because I just want to say cotton picking minute. But it says PG on the case. And that Vaseline line is in there. Huh. Yeah, well, kind of, kind of, sort of. Not just what I said, but... And you also see Jessica Alba's Sue Storm in the nude. She's in the nude, Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Sans clothing. Mm-hmm. The nude. And she also says upon her soon-to-be husband, Reed, standing up to the general, I'm so hot for you right now. Which leans towards, hey, you know, hey now. If you didn't hear it, I did a ba-dum-ch with my elbow and wrist. Is that what that was? That was okay, it. I thought you were almost falling down. How dare you, sir? <laughs> well, on the wedding note, again, we have the classic, the iconic, and you feel so bad for him, the dissing of Stanley not being on the list. It's... I mean, what can you... His creations, he can't even see it happen. I mean, he can watch it on TV because, as they're saying, this is the wedding of the century. I mean, it's yeah. only 2007 at this point, but it's still the wedding it's of the century. all the coverage that you get the, the helicopter pilot saying, Reed and Sue, congratulations on your wedding. I th- like, what copter does that? Like, come on. I think Prince whatever and Queen so-and-so, I mean, it's a weird way for them to get married. But yeah. if they have that happen, can either of them turn invisible? Can either of them turn into a rubber band? Can either, which is an, another way to pronounce that word, yes. do other things? I don't know. <sighs> no, we may never know. Just like how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? No, there's a guy who actually found out the proper number. It's like cool. a thousand something. It's really sad that he counted. It had to be done. Somebody had to do it. Gosh someone, darn it. If somebody gave you $500, would you count the number of licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Mm, could go either way. Because you have to. You're under strict uh, surveillance. They're on a mission. <laughs> a mission from the owl. From the owl? Yeah. yeah. Mr. Owl. Mr. Owl. That's right. Who else would know? <laughs> And as far as the wedding goes again, the, the invitation we see scrolling by. Scrolling by? Scrolling by. That's exactly right. Yeah, with the wavy chin, the multiple chin, and purple camp oh, hue. Yeah, that's the complexion. The honor of your presence is requested at the marriage of Susan Storm and Reed Richards on Saturday the 18th at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. What month, <laughs> what year, we don't get to know. They just ran out of room for for that on the invitation. That's my point. I'm noticing a little trend in your notes of this. You're just very Pitnicky. like you are, and I'm kind of wondering if this is going to be one of those rare, rare, rare comet in the sky instances where I gave a better review for a movie than you did because I think <laughs> it's leaning towards that, and I'm kind of curious because yeah, well. I'll just get that out there right now. Three out of five over here. Okay, well, these yeah. are Eddie's Easter eggs. How about that? <laughs> or Eddie's observations. Did Ronald Reagan run him around and put him all over the Easter eggs? Uh, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> so you say. Okay. Silver Surfer in space, speaking to Galactus, non-embodied. Your herald summons you. Another world awaits. Let it be done quickly. The shot has space. <laughs> Cloud formations, stars, empty blackness. I nothing. 
Is he talking to anybody? Is he invisible? Don't know. That's a that's a that's a discrepancy that I think is prevalent with regard to the character of Galactus overall. So, just adding my two cents to that part of it. And uh, are Buffalo are they uh, the are they the wheat pennies? Oh, the leafback pennies. Yeah, they're Earth. worth. They're probably worth at least two cents a piece, right? Have a collection of them, but go figure. That's a solid investment. That and the bicentennial quarter from nineteen seventy six. Man, remember all those uh, the the quarters from ninety nine and up, and they were the different states. Yeah, I have a, two albums worth. Do you really? <laughs> yes. Now, what if they did counties? Would it be EPs worth? Probably. That joke sucked. I'm yeah, sorry. Kinda, yeah, it kind of did. It was a stretch. It was a stretch. It was a stretch, wasn't it? Not a good one though. Fantastic Four. Really, really need to limber up for that. Okay, sure. Uh, towards the end, when Doom sends the javelin towards the Silver Surfer, but Sue, quote unquote, catches it. Much to her chagrin. Who made it disappear? It like dissolved into nothingness. What after would, after it after it went not the bouquet. Doom spearing sending the javelin to Surfer essentially, but uh, Sue intercepts it into her chest. Yeah, and then at some point it? and at some point it dis- she partially force fields, but then it still penetrates her and gets her, of course, fatally, so it seems. But at some point, it dissolves. It goes away. Did she totally atomize it or something? I don't know. It's, it's kind of a discrepancy with me that that is what had happened. So I don't know. And then we have the reference to, but it doesn't come out and be said, the Super scroll. Which, in my head, I was saying, oh, this is great. Johnny's got all the powers of the four. Yeah, that was on our episode. We I pointed that out, and I think that was maybe their way of teasing the stuff with the scrolls. Sure. Because there was supposed to be a sequel to this, and due to everything happening, they were like, no, we're just going to reboot this. We're going to start fresh. You mean a, th- a part three, perhaps. Yeah. There was supposed to be a sequel to this, and it didn't happen. And it was believed that the scrolls could be in the movie. Was it believed that the surfer is a healer also? The way he waved his hand over Sue? And I shrugged for the audio podcast. <laughs> I, I don't know, but he, he apparently helps with that. And then decides to rebel against his, um, I don't know, master creator, disembodied entity known as Galactus. Finally... The mid credit scene, at least we're led to believe that the surfer lives from having well, his they would have fight to with him. Have yeah, his, his eye blinks open as he's floating in space. His board is kind of tagging along. So, fingers crossed we see him, them, in something in the future. And with this movie, there's something that, again, after listening to the We Hate Movies episode, something they pointed out that I also did not notice. This movie is co-written by Mark Frost. And for you people out there that are fans of the series, Mark Frost is the co-creator of the David Lynch series, Twin Peaks. And he's Mm -hmm. one of the writers on the show. And I would say Mark's Mark's take on this movie was where it was utilized in the humor. Because if you've ever seen Twin Peaks, it has a very distinct style of humor, very bizarre. And this is where the movie got that a little. And also just elements pun intended, partially, of the fantastical. Okay. Mm-hmm. But as you weren't there for this episode, the episode, but there was a line that I brought up 
with the humor and how bizarre it is, my favorite part of the movie is the bachelor party where Reed is dancing, doing his weird freaky dance. Yeah. And first off, I'm expecting now that I know that it's co-written by a Twin Peaks guy, I'm waiting for the little dwarf to come in and go, that. Okay. If you've seen Twin Peaks, you get yeah. the joke, whatever. Moving right along. <laughs> Moving right along. Baron of Studebaker. But <laughs> with that scene, every time I see it, I just imagine, and this is the second time in a row you people get to hear my dulcet tones. Mm. You'll never find. Da, 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 da. Just some Lou Rawls playing as he's doing that weird dance. Like that uh, music fits perfectly over that. It might, but not for the contemporary audience that uh, is in this club, first of all. And it's got to be a dance people more love, so. People love Lou Rawls. Did I say Lou Reed accidentally? Cla- no, Rawls, you're in there. Okay, you're good. fine. But I think. Um, the the temp the tempo of the music needed to be uh, more up to date than a mid seventies. Oh, but it would be good though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. You'll never find. It would, but you digress. I digest indeed. But finally, with uh, the DVD that I have, there's a bonus disc with some featurettes and so on. One of them that just came to mind, and that I remember making note of, is the Fantastic Store, the merchandise of the FF. And Johnny is in the store, checking to see, oh, this should be over here, telling an employee. But but the guy is telling him, sales of Thing merchandise are surpassing everybody. And Damn there's right. A, there's a Thing knapsack. The the clerk himself, the worker himself, has a Thing on his, uh, the head of the Thing on a T-shirt. And there's even a young kid to his other to Johnny's other side who's picked up a Thing action figure. Johnny holds up his own, smiles. But the kid keeps the thing. And that's pretty much that that scene. And there's a few other ones that are kind of interesting, but I thought that came to mind too. They, you know, as a direct contrast, possibly, to when Johnny had the prototype, brought it to Ben, and Ben smashed it into the wall. And it said, It's clamoring time. I want a thing action figure because of that scene. Because oh. <laughs> it's just it's such a the thing is such a cool design character. You have the Jack Kirby era style where he's got that very distinct, you know, brow to him. You've got all these other, you know, character interpretation. I believe John Burns run. Just cool yep. looks to the character. And they trend like, yeah, there's a reason they have marketing teams in the Fantastic Four comics for them. Because they're so marketable. They do have a very distinct look that is something that you would want to have your own little figurine of, you know? And as you've seen on our Facebook page, Eddie has quite the collection of Fantastic Four figures. And and for, more forthcoming merch and other, yeah, things of interest to uh, to pass on. So And on, real quick, on the topic of merchandise, th- doing this month has been really cool for me because it's been making me appreciate the Fantastic Four a lot more. Yep. And it kind of bums me out because there's not much Fantastic Four merch out anymore because of the whole... Marvel doesn't want to do anything to promote a Fox property, this, that, the other thing. I really want to do more stuff with the Fantastic Four, enjoy stuff. Like, I, you're in the studio wearing a Fantastic Four t-shirt, and I'm incredibly jealous of you for that right now. This is years old now, but too, it's actually. still, it's... Brought up from a, uh, a, a a store, a variety store in uh, South Florida. And it's it's one of those, you don't see that anymore, and it's a yeah. shame. 
because they are some of the best characters in the MCU, or not the MCU, but the Marvel Universe. Well, I think more will be coming in the months ahead. Oh, more than like So it'll have a resurgence and it'll be tapped into and um, I don't want to say exploited, but it'll be popularized. Well, as of this recording, they actually just announced that the Lego Marvel game, they're releasing like a mega collection. So it's going to be Lego Super Heroes 1, Lego, or Lego Marvel Super Heroes 1, 2, and Lego Marvel Avengers. Because it won't be able to be held in one... <laughs> Well, alone, I guess. The other, well, it's the collection. It's like all their stuff together in one with all the content, etc. But the thing about it is this, and pun intended, the collector. They don't feature the Fantastic Four or the X Men in Lego Marvel Superheroes Two or Lego Avengers. It's more MCU centric, mm. but they're featured in the first game, and that makes me wonder. Is this their way of reintroducing them to sure. audiences again? Why not? And Absolutely. I, I think it's smart. I think it's really cool. And I want to see, as a fan, more Fantastic Four merchandise. I'd love to see a Fantastic Four Lego set. I have figurines of the characters, Lego minifigures, yep. but they're bootlegs. They're like fan-printed things. You can't get them anywhere else. You can't get them in a store. I think the idea of a little Johnny Storm figurine or a Ben Grimm mega figure, like the you know, one that's the size of the palm of your hand, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of cool. The The version I got actually has like weathered look to him, and he looks like he's made of rock. Perfect. So it's it's not even like, you know, like smooth plastic. It looks like he's actual stone. Very cool. You know what? That's mostly everything I had to... Uh... Add to what was already said about this movie, and I give it more than a three. I'd definitely give it a solid four. <gasps> but I gave a four for the first one, didn't I? So I think I'm going to be consistent. Also, just the theme of the Fantastic Four. Yes, absolutely. They, I don't know there was that much that you could take away from it and say, oh, this was not right. They shouldn't have done this. Although the things that I pointed out were kind of like, hmm, I wonder if we let that one go. Not giving bad hash marks on that. Obviously, the Galactus part is the biggest disappointment. Yeah, the biggest letdown. Mm-hmm. But if you take that away, it is a passable movie. It is a fun movie, and it's a product of its time. It's a product of the mid to late 2000s superhero craze. Yep. Or kind of craze. Is it kind of a craze? There was stuff, but not a lot. But it was solid. It was a it was precursor solid to a craze. Yeah. And... Of course, you're going to hear people go, this is one of the worst movies ever made comic book wise. <laughs> I had a good time for most of the movie. Yeah. It fell off. It careened off a cliff towards the end. But that's part because of Galactus and the shoehorning of Doom. Mm-hmm. But it is a fun movie to watch. And it is one of the closest portrayals of the Fantastic Four on screen. They done good. Don't let people like you're obviously going to see people say this is terrible. This is terrible. Don't watch it. Make your own opinion. I went in. I admit, I went in and while I was watching this, my during my initial viewing, I gave Eddie a text just going. So I kind of like this movie. Yeah, Surfer is pretty good. Yeah, okay. And you just get I just get one text back. Stop that. <laughs> just watch because people, our audio engineer John watched this. The first thing he see, says when he's sitting with us is, wow, I've edited your show for a while, and this really is how you guys are. It translates over to real life. I'm like, yes, yes, it does. So help us. Stop that actually became a regular catchphrase in my everyday life. So Everyday texts. Yeah. 
everyday texts, everyday smoke signals, everyday telegraphs. I, I, I am everyday people. Thank you, Sly and the Family Stone. I didn't get the reference, but thank you. Just thank you, thank you, Alanis Morissette. Okay. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Wow. Okay. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. And on that musical note... Do you think B. Arthur had a lot of orgies? <laughs> wow. PG, or PM in this case, for Peter Melnick. And that's all he is. He's Peter Melnick. Don't this, you forget it. Is this it. your way of closing off the show where I can't Rapidly. <laughs> rapidly cooling, lukewarm Peter. You, sign out for me and sign out for you. Go for it. Yeah. We're done. Excelsior. <laughs> Cut to the chase. So welcome, everyone, back to Obsessed with Marvel Time. And, Eddie, our first question is going to be number... 1874. What name did the Punisher have when he was born? Okay. Was it Frankie Villa? Was it Johnny Tower? Frank Castle? Or Francis Castiglione? Or Castiglione, if you prefer. What name did the Punisher have when he was born? D. Frankie Villa, Johnny Tower, Frank Castle, Francis Castiglione. I think I'm inclined to go with D also and make it formal. And the answer is Francis Castiglione or Castiglione, if you like to pronounce all the vowels in there, each an individualness. We go now. Question number 1920. 1,600 minutes. Really? Who was not an enemy of Luke Cage in his solo series? Chaka, Shades and Comanche, Piranha Jones, or Goldbug? I have not yet read the Luke Cage series. Yes. Uh, there, were, there were more than one. There was more than one. Uh, right away, I was thinking of the 90s one, but... It could be the earlier. Who was not an enemy of Luke Cage in his solo series? Chaka, Shades and Comanche, Piranha Jones, or Goldbug? Chaka sounds like it, to be honest. Not an enemy. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know. For some reason, I had Goldbug, but I'll... Go, I would go with Goldbug, then. You, you want to do Goldbug? It's a shot in the dark, not the Ozzy Osbourne song. So, okay, song, let's, let's go with... It is... Go with D. Goldbug. No. The answer is A. Chaka. Chaka. I should have listened to my Peter senses. You should have very well listened. I should have gone with that too, but okay. Yeah, because Chaka did sound like a character he wouldn't be in uh, that would be, Harlem. Well, Chaka would be someone who would be in the, in the series. A character name just by going by, going by that. Okay. 1,736. Hundred minutes. That's my reference to rent for this episode, second one in a row. So let's stop it right there. I agree. And the question is, what is monster? And monster is in capitals and an abbreviated an acronym. So a dot in between each letter of monster. What is monster? A subversive organization, a mutant rights organization, a league of early nineteen sixties Marvel monsters, or 
an anti-mutant organization. Sounds like C. What is Monster again? Subversive organization, mutant rights organization, League of Early 1960s Marvel Monsters, or an anti-mutant organization? And Peter's saying, see the League of Early 1960s Marvel Monsters. I'm kind of thinking maybe that would be right, but right. did we have Marvel Monsters in the 1960s? Or did they not come around till later? I'm thinking Legion of Monsters, but that's more but it does seem 70s, like, I thought. See, it sounds like one of those groups that you would see in like the mid-2000s featuring characters like Groot and them right yeah. before Road to Annihilation. Mm-hmm. I think it's that, to be honest. All right. So maybe it wasn't that popular. All right. So let's go with the letter C and see what happens. No, it is not. Really? It is a mutant rights organization. That is monster. Well, that's dumb. Well, monsters were not known for their brains, now were they? They were not. Brains. Okay. Well, that's the perfect thing, you know. Uh, you you want your daughter to date a zombie, to quote Stephen Colbert, because they only want them for their brains. Think about it. Think, brain, okay. Think uh, fourth it? question. He's not. I, I did, and I moved on. Is number 501. What is the name of Gwen Stacy's uncle who lived in England? Is it Alan, Ian, Arthur, or Richard? Gwen Stacy's uncle who lived in England. Uncle Dick. No, it's not Uncle Dick. Alan, Ian, Arthur, or Richard? And I would be lying if I said I knew. Alan or Ian sounds similar. They do, correct. And they, I think it would be one of those. I think that's the trick Because one. they sound similar. Yeah, because they're trying to get you, like, it's a name that sounds similar. So which it's similar to the real name. So do you have a selection? Now he, he's British. Lived in England, so we're going to have to go with that. Ian. So let's go with that hint as to uh, B. No. It is Arthur. That's dumb, too. With Stacy's <laughs> uncle who lived in England, Arthur. That's Let's all. redeem ourselves, Eddie. Redeem? Hey, Eddie, here's a question. With great power comes great blank. A, responsibility. B, tomato juice. C, C, A, or D, C, A. Wow. Take a guess, Eddie. Yeah. Which one is A. it? I'm sorry, it was actually the tomato juice. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. <laughs> Excelsior. If you say so.